Hello, we're delighted to have Bill Dudley on the podcast this week. Bill is a pioneer and evangelist for the SMS industry in North America and is well known across many companies. Bill and I both lived in two great US states that we share a great fondness for, so that's a bit of fun. In his early days, Bill was instrumental in pushing for SMS Interconnect in North America. That's something we take for granted now, but it was actually breakthrough at the time. Having joined Infomatch, who were the early Interconnect pioneers, he's still with the company after many corporate iterations, and the company is now part of Cinch, who are a major player in omnichannel marketing. Bill goes over the mistakes that RCS have made in the past, but believes that with Google behind it is now his great future. And Bill explains the value proposition that Cinch brings to enterprises, but how SMS still has an important part to play. Finally, Bill reveals his very interesting hobby, and he plays out with a piece of music that shows he hasn't strayed too far from his Texas roots. Bill and I had great fun doing this podcast, and I'm sure you'll enjoy it as well. It's a tough competitive business to drive telecom sales. But now there is a new channel that is making all the difference for innovative companies. That's the Digital Sales Channel. At Netzer, we are the leading digital sales channel provider for telecoms companies. Our customers can testify to our ability to listen and implement solutions that work for them. If you are a mobile operator, an MVNO or an eSIM provider, We'd like to understand your business issues and work with you to drive your sales. Contact pat.flynn at netzer.com and we can talk. So welcome to the podcast this week, and I have a great guest, a man I've known for a good few years now, and by coincidence, both of us have lived in at least two states in common, uh, both of which, both states which I love. One is Texas, good old Texas, and the other is Virginia, which is a fantastic state. So Bill Dudley, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on, on board. Appreciate it. Thank you, Pat. Right, so we were just talking there, and we think uh, Bill's action will give away his Texas roots, even though he now lives in Virginia, in Northern Virginia, which is actually a beautiful part of uh, America as well. Oh, absolutely. Right, so um, Bill and I have a lot in common in the, we say broadly the SMS industry, but uh, it's text, it started out as text, and it became a, an enormous industry and still is an enormous industry. And Bill has a very interesting North American view of it, which I found really interesting. So anyway, Bill, let's let's roll back the years a bit. So um, back in the good old days when there was two big players in the industry, I used to work for Logica Aldiscon and our, our nemesis was CMG. But uh, you used to work for CMG, yeah? Absolutely, yes. I, I did work for CMG. I joined CMG in 2001, early 2001. And at the time, uh, it immediately struck me there was no way to send an SMS message from one carrier to another. 
Oh no. Yeah, that's going to be tough, you know, to build (laughs) SMS up in the North American market. Uh, Actually, all of the Americas, because at the time we had TDMA networks, we had GSM networks, we had CDMA networks, and I did even. Remember Nextel? used to run IDEN. So there were all four different types of networks. We did not have the interoperability that the Europeans and parts of Asia enjoyed being all GSM during these times. So one day we sort of got the bright idea and I was working with uh, a number of other uh, messaging giants such as Stephen Van Zanen. Uh, and Steve's a great that, guy. He's yeah, been on the podcast. Yeah. So I heard Stephen speak at a conference down in Atlanta, and I think this might have been early February uh, 2001. And he was talking about the benefits of SMS. Stephen is a great speaker. If you ever get a chance to see him I, speak, I, I said this to Stephen. Bill, I, I at a few conferences myself and Stephen were sort of representing the two companies that were in competition. And at one time, the, the audience rated us. There was 25 speakers. And Stephen was rated number one, and I was rated number two. So I, to this day, I still think about that sometimes. So there you go. He is a great speaker. Absolutely. Absolutely. I always uh, look to Stephen on how to... Uh, work with an audience and things like that when I speak. At any rate, Stephen kind of gave me an idea. Why don't we create a messaging hub? And at the time we were building, CMG was building SMSCs. Uh, and I was I became the first product manager in the North American market for CMG. It was like one of the first guys hired in a Dallas, Texas office. Now I'd have been I'd have been in Dallas for 20 years prior to this. I had a long career as a software developer. Now I'm going to take you back just a little bit further because my mobile career goes back to around 84, 85, 1984, 1985, for, for those of you millennials that might not have been born yet. <laughs> <laughs> but at any rate, I, I work for a company called NMI Corporation, and we started selling NEC mobile phones. Now, in those days, mobile phones were you know 20 or 30 pounds. They had to be installed in your car. Um, uh, I think later on they came out with a bag phone. But in those days, I was kind of the IT software development group for this particular sales agency for NEC phones. And there were really only two phone manufacturers in the mid-80s in North America was NEC and Motorola. Mm-hmm. So my company sold NEC phones kind of as a wholesaler to uh, some of the new mobile operators and new carriers that were starting up. And we actually helped introduce cellular to the nation. Before that, uh, a mobile phone network, you may have one or two antennas for a metro area. Yeah, uh, yeah. We introduced, started introducing the concept of cellular. So I recall back in those days, we used to use, you know, all companies had giveaways. We had uh, coasters and T-shirts and all this type of thing that had the honeybee uh, sales and comb to illustrate that concept. I did have the opportunity during that time to work with an engineer 
And we actually, I think I was using a Silent 700 terminal, which is a printable uh, TI terminal and another uh, CRT on some computer, mini computer in those days. And I was writing code and the engineer created this little modem that actually worked on this analog cellular system. And I think we sent some data back and forth. And this was probably 1985 or 1986. It must have been sending data on a on analog uh, mobile. It, it it was it was just a trial that we did, you know. Yeah. But it worked. It worked. I I can't recall, you know, what type of text we sent, and you know, obviously had to write custom code to get it work working. And this that was before the. First- the first text or <laughs> it, it could have very well been but anyway you like a, in, you might as well claim it no, no I'm, i don't know about that but uh yeah my my, my then since that time i i worked in various software development companies uh, uh worked for nec itself for many years uh writing uh oss and and network management platforms for microwave radios and a number of other things, uh, even uh, digital SCADA systems. Uh, so move move back to the beginning of my messaging career, which yes. was 2001. We got the I got the idea. Let's create this messaging hub using the SMPP protocol in and out. And let, let so we modify. Let me just say there. So just for people who might know what this is. So an SMSC is the part of the network that sends text messages, SMS messages. And SMPP is was a the first uh, IP protocol that connected to SMSCs. Uh, so that's just set some context for people who mightn't know the business. So sorry, Bill, go ahead. No worries, no worries. So we created this SMPP-based hub by modifying one of CMG's SMSCs, and we created what's called the inter-SMSC router. Later on that spring, um, of course, we talked about this and and started working with a couple of other companies. But later on that spring, uh, we were able to get it get into an RFP from a Canadian consortium of the four Canadian carriers at that time. Mm -hmm. Fast forward a few months later, we ended up winning that because obviously the ISR was the first messaging hub. And so we went live with that later that year. And uh, we literally launched the first SMS messaging hub in the world. Uh, So CMG went on and sold a few of those in various markets. Uh, Meanwhile, at the same time, another startup in Northern Virginia was a company called Infomatch. Mm -hmm. So Infomatch uh, started doing some similar work. uh, And in fact, I think we were one of the, Infomatch was one of the companies that uh, competed against CMG and lost for that first uh, RFP for Canada. Later on in 2003, I joined InfoMatch, and uh, InfoMatch further moved on to become Mobile 365 after merging with a French company called MobileWay. That was 2004, and I think it was around uh, 2006 that Mobile 365 was acquired by Sybase, and Mm -hmm. then it rebranded as Sybase 365. 
And then finally, Sybase itself was acquired by SAP in 2010, and we rebranded as SAP Mobile Services for a few years before we rebranded as SAP Digital Interconnect. And then finally, SAP Digital Interconnect was acquired last year by Cinch. So now I am with Cinch, but it's been a, an amazing journey so, so, so you've of been, messaging. So you've been there for 20-odd years or so. And you've gone through what, five or six different um, takeovers. Indeed, indeed. I left CMG actually after they became Logica CMG. And of course, that's uh, another yeah. journey that's when, as that's well. When, uh, I left too. Uh, that was this, so I went to, myself and a couple of guys found it um, Open Mind Networks back then. So, yeah, no, so it's, it's really, you've been in the industry. And just to emphasize what you, what you were talking about there is back in the day, all of these different network technologies weren't designed to talk to each other. They were not. They were not. And that was the that was that was the hangout. Additionally, a lot of the US carriers, Canadian carriers, thought it was better for their messaging only to work within their network. Yeah. But it soon became very evident that you should be able to message anyone that you can call. Even in the early 2000s, you could call anyone in the world from your mobile phone. Mm -hmm. why not be able to text anyone in the world from your mobile phone? And that was my overriding concern. Mm -hmm. Why can't we do this for texting as what we did for voice? What and has seems, already been done for voice, actually. It's, it seems so obvious now. Like, you know, people will go, why was, why did they think that way? But it's a, it's a matter of maturity and utility and universality that you have to be explained to these networks that, no, hold on a sec, you know, you can't, close everyone down they're going to be talking to people all over north america even the world you got to text them like that too absolutely absolutely you absolutely had to do that and so as as the years went on 2004 2005 we started seeing sms move up in statue and we started seeing the billions upon billions of messages every uh week and then every day uh grow as people realized texting was the, the way to go, a new way to communicate. And uh, incidentally, uh, CMG, even after they merged with Logica, they sold ISR for a couple of more years, but then they, they were really in that to sell more SMSCs. They weren't in it to create an entire ecosystem to do SMS interoperability. Mm -hmm. And that obviously that's, what Infomatch wanted to do was to create SMS interoperability. So that that was part of the the reason I moved from the CMG, Logic to CMG world to the, a new startup called Infomatch. Well, Infomatch, as we know, has grown into what is now part of Cinch and done very, very well. It is, it is, it's I mean, a super even, success story. Oh, yeah, it's a great success story. It's a great success yeah. story. Uh, while at Infomatch, we also created the first MMS hub. We mm -hmm. did that very soon, probably in 2003. Uh, that was the first time an MMS hub was was done. That was something I was very proud to work on. And uh, go, going further, I mean, we created a number of firsts. And that's kind of been my philosophy for working in this industry all the time is not only do you create solutions and products for your company, but you also should create solutions and products that can change the direction of the entire industry. And yeah, I think so, we were so, very successful with that. 
Yeah, so Bill, you've been at the literally the cutting edge. I mean, you so you were early in. Well, I'll I'll give you credit even if you want to take it for some text over mobile, right? Early on, right? Not in the way they intended, it, but you did it. Yes. Yeah, you you were heavily involved in inter interoperability, which is probably multiplied the utility of the phone by two or three times because literally you could reach two or three times more people just in North America, maybe ten times globally. So Indeed. you know that was a huge, a huge factor. And then you're also um, we've grown that business through the years up to where it is today, Cinch. But I think you've always been able to think ahead, Bill, and um, you know imagine a world that isn't here yet. So it's it's really interesting to hear this. People today just don't understand where it was back then. But when you explain it to them, you sort of were uh, at the literally on the frontier pushing this out. This podcast is sponsored by Netzer, the leader in digital sales channels for telecoms. Thank you for listening to our amazing innovators tell their stories. Yes, yes, absolutely. We were. I mean, uh, that's where I learned to speak in front of, pe- front of people. I'm not the best speaker in the world, but uh, I learned to do it because we had to talk about this. We had mm-hmm. to talk about this. I started... Uh, also started writing about this in you know 2005, six. Started a blog around 2008. Uh, that's been going in various formats. In fact, right now I'm working on a consolidated blog that uh, I'll announce soon. That'll t- consolidate all of the writings that I've done going back to the early t- uh, 2000s to, to today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it'll be it'll be published soon. Uh, it's something I'm kind of doing on the side. I'm continuing to write and comment on the industry through Cinch and uh, continuing to work on new things. Uh, uh, I've certainly been involved working with uh, RCS, uh, the first iteration of it that didn't do well. And then the current, current iteration, I worked on that with SDI or SAP Digital Interconnect. And... Uh, Right. So what's, what do you think? Is, is RCS going to uh, be significant? I know there's, it's been sort of like a start-stop technology for a number of years now. But so just to explain again to people who might not understand, uh, um, so SMS is, uni- the, the big power SMS has is it's universal on every phone. It doesn't matter which phone you have, it'll receive or send an SMS message. RCS was uh, initially from the GSMA Association, an attempt to, shall we say, emulate the likes, the experience we get from the likes of WhatsApp or our Facebook Messenger, where you've rich content, essentially. Um, and it's been a bit stop-start in the industry. Maybe, Bill, you could talk about that a little bit. Indeed, indeed. Certainly around 2008, 9, 10, there was the initial attempt to do RCS. Uh, I think many of you may remember the Join brand, J O. YN. And that brand didn't do well. That iteration of RCS didn't do well. It was too fragmented. There were too many different versions. It was too complex. So, you know, we kind of erased all of that and RCS kind of disappeared for a while. But along about 2017, uh, let me back up for a second. Before that, there were a number of companies that in the background did a lot of work. One of them was called Jibe Mobile, J-I-B-E, Jibe Mobile. Jibe, was acquired by Google, I think it was 2016, maybe 17. And then all of a sudden, Google now, with the Jibe acquisition, becomes a RCS powerhouse because they also have Android. And so 
Google was a big catalyst for the new next generation of RCS, which was based on uh, protocols and, and standards from the GSMA called Universal Profile. And so now RCS is more targeted for business messaging rather than P2P. I think yeah. for a lot of markets, the P2P market has has kind of moved away from SMS and certainly gone on to non-SMS uh, social chat apps like WhatsApp uh, is probably the biggest worldwide and mm-hmm. Facebook Messenger, you're, you're on WeChat if you're in China and other parts of Asia, uh, Kakao Talk in Korea, and there's a number of other ones, Line, uh, Telegram, many, many of these, uh, what I call social chat apps. Uh, And by the way, every single one of them were based on the concept of person to person that the person to person experience that SMS gave us. None of them are as ubiquitous as SMS, but they're still very, very good platforms. So so what you also what you mentioned there, Bill, is that is the the mobile messaging industry has moved as the person to person part of it is less important, but the business to the business to person or what they call application to person A to P is actually become a very significant industry in the last couple of years. Absolutely, absolutely. And a lot of that is still based on SMS. So RCS is one of many players in that. I think it's carrier based. Uh, it can be over the top through the Google ecosystem as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't need a carrier full support to run RCS if uh, Google can support that particular uh, market. And that has happened to an extent. Unfortunately, RCS is still only an Android uh, proposition. Uh, We don't expect Apple anytime soon to support RCS. I've heard through the grapevine that uh, the code to support RCS in Apple iMessage, the default messaging app for Apple, is available or has been done, but it's not ever been released. So we'll see. We'll see there. You know, I'm not going to hold out hope, but... uh, you know, I'd be pleasantly surprised to see Apple support RCS. So RCS is a good platform. It's very rich. It's very interactive. And then, but it needs to be in a market with other messaging apps as well, such as WhatsApp, such as SMS and MMS. And once you have all of that, you have this whole uh, uh, omni-channel ecosystem that's where the messaging industry is working on today and in fact what even what is now becoming more and more evident uh, regardless of what channel you use whether it's sms and mms or rcs or whatsapp is the concept of conversational messaging this is where uh, it's an interactive back and forth and many times supported by an ai enhanced chatbot Right. And you, so you, you see a lot of companies doing that. Certainly, my company, Cinch, is on the forefront of uh, conversational messaging. Right. And so, so you've worked with it. You've worked on the standards behind this. And you've you obviously you mentioned Cinch. So w- what is conversational messaging to a business? What does that mean? That means that uh, a consumer can interact with your business, usually on a conversational message. You can you can you can ask it things 
the, the business uh, various uh, questions. You get answers. You get you may get some rich content back. Uh, you can you can uh, switch to uh, an SMS or messaging based customer service chat with a live human. All of that's very seamless. And in fact, you can emulate many, many types of functionality that you would get in a mobile app from a business or brand all through the messaging channels. So you don't, that brand of business doesn't have to invest the time and the energy to create a mobile app where they could do better letting the consumer use the messaging channel that they want that's already on their phone to in, interact and engage with that brand. And, and that's so, the big thing, Bill. The people aren't downloading apps anymore. I mean, no, you know, or if we do download them, we use them once or twice. Yeah. Yeah. But we're <laughs> always using messaging. I mean, we always say in this industry, you know, an SMS message or what, what other channel, but specifically SMS is opened within three minutes, 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's an amazing, that's an amazing channel for brands and businesses to reach consumers. Yeah. If this, consumers want to be reached that way. Yeah. If this, they don't, this, then obviously it's spam. Yeah. And this is, this is where all the growth in the business is. So, so Cinch is one of the leaders in this market and it's growing quite strongly in the last few years. So, you know, it's, there's really, it's, it's scratching a niche that, that needs to be scratched. Indeed. Indeed. And I see this particular segment of the mobile industry growing substantially throughout this decade, substantially. Mm. There is so much more to do. There is so much more to do. Certainly, I think all of us in the messaging industry, whether we're Cinch or some of these other companies out there, uh, have done well to integrate all of the different channels. Now it's growing the conversational type of brands, expanding the API access, as well as the software as a service access so that a business doesn't have to write code. They can use a company's solutions right online and create lists that they want to send to. They can manage the opt-in or the opt-out. Remember, people still have to opt-in to receive messages. Mm -hmm. We're very cognizant of privacy. We don't want to spam people. So we want to manage all of that. But all of that is easily managed in a software as a service without having to write a single line of code. And it okay. makes it also very easy, especially through some of the chatbot platforms that are out there today to easily integrate to your backend systems so that you can you know, call up accounts, you can call up uh, price lists or inventory lists, and then use messaging channels to display that to the, your consumer as they request it, right. a, a two-way interaction. Right, so it's it's a it's a trusted communication channel between the the business and the c- consumer who's who's voluntarily Correct. participating. Yeah, okay. Look, Bill, this has been a fantastic uh, story about your career, which covered like a key part of of this huge business now. But uh, from the very early days, I love your story about sticking things together and making them work back in the day so thanks oh, yeah. but there's one thing you, we were talking about earlier about the the concept of cellular cells being in like a hexagon like a <laughs> yeah you, you have a very interesting hobby bill i, I indeed yes we we uh, i am a beekeeper well, i am a beekeeper i don't know if that uh, there's some strange coincidence <laughs> with that but uh yeah we started keeping bees about five or six years ago and uh we have a number of hives 
out here at our place in Northern Virginia. Love it. We uh, produce some honey or the bees produce honey. We just jar it and sell it uh, at local farmers markets and a couple of farm cool. stands local, locally out here. A very small operation, but very, very fulfilling uh, endeavor. Endeavor. Actually, we have a little website called Black Cat apiary.net you can go to and see a little bit about our operation (laughs) yeah just a quick plug there Uh, i don't ship honey so sorry (laughs) but uh brilliant story bill and and on this podcast bill the guest nominates the play out song now i know you're uh attacking back i can we can still hear that in you tell us what do you what do you going to play out on well, you know, we've thought about this for quite a while time. We actually made a little list of uh, potential songs, but for the longest time since, oh gosh, the late 80s, early 90s, I've been a fan of a singer-songwriter uh, born in Texas, uh, uh, well-known in Texas country music circles by the name of Guy Clark. Well, Guy's no longer with us, but uh, he was an amazing songwriter wrote a lot of great songs uh saw him in concert down in dallas a few you know a couple of times in some small venues uh amazing but we're gonna we're gonna go out today with with a song from his album songs and stories called homegrown tomatoes brilliant uh, brilliant i i yeah i know he's an incredible songwriter so thanks bill i much appreciate you being on the podcast my pleasure my pleasure really enjoyed it all right thanks bill ain't nothing in the world that i like better than bacon and lettuce and homegrown tomatoes up in the morning out in the garden get you ripe but don't get a hard one plant them in the spring eat them in the summer all winter without them's a culinary bummer i forget all about the sweating and digging every time i go out and pick me a bit homegrown tomatoes Homegrown tomatoes, what'll I be without homegrown tomatoes? Only two things that money can't buy, and that's true love, homegrown tomatoes. Well, you can go out to eat, and that's for sure, but it's nothing a homegrown tomato won't cure. Put them in a salad. Put them in a stew, you can make your very own tomato juice. You can eat them with eggs, you can eat them with gravy. Eat them with beans, pinto or navy. Put them on the side, put them in the middle. Put a homegrown tomato on a hot cake griddle. Homegrown tomatoes, homegrown tomatoes. What'll I be without homegrown tomatoes? Only two things that money can't buy. And that's true love and homegrown tomatoes. life I lead. Well, I'd feed Johnny tomato seed, cause I know what this country needs. It's homegrown tomatoes in every yard you see. When I die, don't bury me in a box in a cemetery. Out in the garden be much better and I could be pushing up homegrown tomatoes. Homegrown tomatoes, homegrown tomatoes. What'll life be without homegrown tomatoes? Only two things that money can't buy, and that's true love. Homegrown tomatoes, homegrown tomatoes. What'll life be without homegrown tomatoes? Only two things that money can't buy, and that's true love and homegrown tomatoes.